God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't only stand up, but I know we got folks all the way around the corner, and so I will stand up uh, to, to hopefully so everybody can hear me. Um, this is a great Sunday. Look at this. We are almost out of room and probably almost out of chairs. So um, if it is your first time at the Abbey, we are so glad that you are here, and we hope it is not your last time here. Um, my name is Kelly Cutlow. I am the deacon here at the Abbey. I don't know, Katie, if you introduced yourself or not. Uh, uh, just individually, but I'm, yeah, the Reverend Katie Ringer. Uh, so we are so very glad to have you here. Um, this has been uh, a big week. Uh, well, I don't, we don't normally do surveys here, but how many folks are Episcopalians or been hanging out with Episcopalians for a little while? And of those folks that are Episcopalians and have been hanging out with Episcopalians for a little while, how many of y'all have seen all the hubbub and news about the Anglican Communion? and everything going on there. And even folks that are not Episcopalians, the news has covered it. They've just been waiting for a headline like U.S. Episcopal Church suspended from the Anglican Communion. Um, and they have certainly covered it heartily. Um, so, I mean, it's the elephant in the room for the Episcopalians that this happened this week. The Episcopal Church is part of a larger worldwide um, relationship of churches that um, every place the British Empire went, the, the Church of England went, and when the British Empire fell apart, all of those churches decided to still stay together in relationship and communion. Um, and it is something that is interesting always and stressful sometimes. So, how many folks have been to a wedding? <coughs> How many folks have planned a wedding? How many folks found planning a wedding to be fun? <laughs> <laughs> Weddings can be like some of the most stressful times for everybody involved, whether it's the bride and groom or the families. Um, you normally spend a lot of money, you got to figure out who gets to sit next to each other, you got to figure out whether you're going to have like a beef option or just chicken. Now you got to also make sure you look out for vegetarians and vegans, and it just gets very, very complicated. Um, and I, I will talk briefly about one wedding that I uh, was involved, uh, I guess, helping plan maybe kind of the church part of it. Um, not any of the fancy food part of it, um, but two very close friends of mine were married several years ago, um, and they were very excited to be getting married. Tuscaloosa had a little tornado right before their wedding, but we continued on. We got the tree off the church, um, and it was going to be a great day. There was a complication to planning their marriage in that both of their parents had divorced and remarry. And so, like, all of the moving parts were then multiplied about how to deal with two sets of blended families and, and how is this all going to come together and whose mom's going to sit with whose mom and who gets to walk with which usher down the aisle. Um, and it was 
a very, very stressful time for them. But it was also very, very important that all of these different parts of the family be there for this celebration of them being married, coming together and making a new family. Um, so it required like some seating charts, um, but it also required the parents and their new spouses to come together and acknowledge that this marriage was not about whether or not they were happy with the chicken course or who they were sitting next to, but was about these two people that were coming together in relationship. And so we all went there that day, and it was a great day. And I'm not saying that different sides of the families managed to reconcile or anything like that, but they did manage to come together and celebrate this love that was being offered up to the church as a sacrament of the church, of the church, as a sign of Jesus's and God's love for us is one thing that we say at marriages, that that reflects God's love for us when two people get married. Now, marriage is not easy. I am not married, but I know there are several people around here that are married, and I'm sure that there are some days that you really like the person you're married to, and there's some days you maybe don't like them quite as much, but you just keep on being married. And every time we have a marriage ceremony, a lot of times this gospel is read, right? This is Jesus' first miracle, as he is the best, most convenient wedding guest you can possibly imagine, because when the wine runs out, um, he doesn't even have to run to like the Circle K. He cares that's a gas station from where I grew up. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to go to the BP and try to scrounge around and find something. He can turn, you know, these big 20, 30 gallon jugs of water into wine. It's a lot of wine, folks. Even for an Episcopal wedding, that's <laughs> a lot of wine. And he does it. Um, and offers it up, and it's not even like mediocre table wine. Like, it is the best wine you could possibly imagine that Jesus turns this water into. And um, I used to do a thing down in Tuscaloosa called Jesus on Tap. It was a theological discussion in a local bar there, and we would always kind of quote this passage from John um, talking about that you know, Jesus turned water into wine to, to keep the party going, right? That was a kind of our tongue-in-cheek way of putting it. But in a real sense, that is true. Like, here was this probably very stressful thing of this community coming together for a wedding, and no matter all the plans that they made, they didn't have enough. And so Jesus performed his first miracle so that this celebration of this community could continue going on. Now back to the Anglican community. Churches, any church, Episcopal, Anglican, whatever, is kind of like being in a marriage, right? We come together by choice. Some days we like each other, some days we don't like each other. But we keep coming together because as a community, we care and love each other, regardless of whether or not we like each other on a particular day. Right? Because we're part of a church. The Episcopal Church is part of the Anglican Communion. While we don't necessarily have to agree with what the Communion said uh, should happen to us because of decisions we made, it is also very important that we as the Episcopal Church said, 
This is a relationship that we're going to continue to work for. This is a relationship that is bonded together not by individual personalities of the 30-something bishops that were there at Canterbury, or it's not bonded together by the however many hundreds of bishops that get together every 10 years at the Lambeth Conference. It's not because of the committees we create or sit on. We hold on to that relationship because of the love that we have for Jesus. And it's messy. And it doesn't always make sense. And people look at what the Episcopal Church is doing, and that doesn't necessarily make sense to them. But as our presiding bishop, Bishop Curry, likes to remind us, when Jesus was sitting there at Cana at the wedding, he didn't have it in his mind that by performing this first miracle and that everything that was going to come in his ministry after that, that he was going to make a church with four walls and a whole bunch of priests, deacons, and bishops, and lay people that were going to make committees, because the Lord, we love to make committees, right? That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to say that there's a movement of love in the world, and the love doesn't come from us. The love comes from God. It is our job to carry that love that we receive from God out into the world. In the Episcopal Church, we have decided that that means we include everyone fully, 100%, no matter who you are, what color you are, what gender you are, who you love, no matter your politics, whether you're Republican or Democrat, no matter whether you put 25 cents in the offering plate or 25,000 in the offering plate. In the Episcopal Church, you are welcomed here. Not because we got it right, but because God loves us so much that we have to love other people that way. People are messy. Weddings are messy. And the thing that we get from this miracle at Cana, the thing that we have to remember is I think sometimes we get really stressed about who's coming into church and who's saying what and who's doing this and who's hanging out with who and the bishops are stressed because part of the world doesn't see things the way that we do. And they make their decisions either because that's just the way they see the world and they can't see it differently or they make their decisions because they believe that that is what God is calling them to do. And sometimes I think we see it that way because we just don't think that there's enough of God's love to go around. Right? We want to protect the little bit that we have. We think we have to protect the Jesus that we have in the world. But the thing that we get from the miracle at Cana is that there is not only enough of God's love to go around, there is more than enough to the brim. 20 and 30 gallons over and over and over again. There is plenty of God's love. So, the Episcopal Church is going to keep right on accepting every single person that comes through our doors. And we're going to love them right where they are, whether they like us or don't like us. We're going to just love them, because that's what we're called to do, because God loves us. The Abbey is going to continue to welcome and accept Every single person that comes in here, whether it's to a worship service or to just buy coffee and a donut, we don't care. We're going to love you. Because God 
turned water into wine, he lived among us, he filled creation with love. And that's all we can keep doing. And our job is to keep the party going because we are loved by God. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen.